Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast and very excited for you. Uh, in this episode, we are with uh, Colin Sisko. Colin is the owner of Kaizen Physical Therapy in uh, Kirkland, Washington, the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, he also, uh, if you're familiar with the news at all from 15, 18 months ago, that was kind of the epicenter ground zero uh, for the first uh, the beginning of the pandemic here in the U.S. So welcome to the call here, Colin. Yeah, thank you, Chad. Great. So uh, can you give us a little bit of a, 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 an update or at least a backstory? I know you have a unique situation where you bought an existing practice. Can you talk about how, um, uh, how you came into that position and ultimately what ended up happening there? Yeah, so I guess so I graduated PT school in 2010 and immediately came back to work for the clinic where I was an aide, which is actually in the same location I'm in right now. So uh, worked for them for a few years. They were looking, it was a husband and wife that owned the business and they were looking to at some point try to find someone to groom to take things over. And uh, they were not interested in selling to a larger corporation. So in their mind, their thought was either we find someone younger that's willing to, you know, learn from us, work a lot of hours and, uh, you know, take this over for us or just close our doors. Um, that's kind of what their mindset was. So, uh, so worked for them for a few years. They weren't quite ready. They, they liked the idea of, of selling, but they weren't quite ready. They wanted to have some better, um, I guess a, a better track record on their uh, financials. Um, before selling, which made sense. You know, you want to, if you're going to sell, you want to be in the best position possible. And they didn't feel like they were quite there yet. They had a couple of years. I think there were some losses in there. So they wanted to turn things around and, um, you know, have me buy it at uh, the best valuation they could get. And uh, so they weren't quite ready to do that. And so I was recommended by uh, a colleague of mine to go and work for this other clinic that wasn't too far away with another owner that was looking to do the same thing. It sounded more promising. Uh, so, so I actually left the first clinic on, on good terms. They were like, yeah, you know, we want you to go ahead and learn how to take over a business and maybe you'll be in a position when we're actually ready to sell, you can come back and maybe we'll talk more then. Uh, so I went to this other place and uh, was working pretty much like 70 hours a week for like five years straight, just saving money like crazy. Um, and was trying to learn some things from that person, but it never quite worked out. They weren't quite ready, I guess, to share as much as they wanted to. And uh, so that one didn't really quite pan out as well, but it worked out just because the first clinic I had left, they were ready to retire. And at about five years in, uh, they said, hey, we're, we're ready to to talk with you if you're you're willing to if your situation hasn't quite panned out yet and so that's kind of how it came about <laughs> um, I, I don't think I realized before or maybe just misremembered that you work for a second clinic for five yeah, years. yeah 
Yeah, so 2010 to 2013 was the first one where I was originally an aide before school. And one of the PTs I was working with uh, knew this other owner that was just a few miles north. And so, yeah, I was there for like five years, didn't quite pan out, um, but things, things uh, ended well. It wasn't like a bad separation or anything. Uh, they just, in the end, realized they weren't quite as ready as they wanted to be. Um, so ended up talking to the first one again. Uh, things worked out, but that was definitely an interesting process. Uh, not having any business background or what questions to ask. Um, I knew from a CPA and an attorney I'd talked to some things to try to look at. Uh, at that time, I didn't even know how, like, how do you go about getting a valuation? Like, no clue, just absolutely no idea. Uh, so the sellers, of the business I bought, their CPA suggested, and I don't know how this compares to other valuation methods, but they were suggesting a 40 to 60% of, um, I think net revenue, like an average of the past five years. So not knowing any different, that's just what we went with. And I knew just enough uh, that I wasn't going to entertain any offer close to 60%. Uh, there were some things in there. Uh, they had a higher Medicare population than I liked. Uh, there really weren't any obvious active marketing systems in place. Uh, there really wasn't any new patient or visit growth uh, since I had left. Uh, um, you know, the owner was still working close to full time, so I knew that that didn't really give me a good picture of, well, how is you know, how does this clinic look financially without the owner treating full-time? Uh, I know the, the office manager was leaving to go to PT school in a year. There was a couple of PTs close to retirement um, and a couple of the tax returns on a couple of years where there were a couple losses in there. So I knew like, okay, this wasn't going to be a, a higher valuation and, but they just, they were wanting to sell. Uh, but that was kind of a, <laughs> An interesting situation people you worked for people that you knew and uh, kind of having to explain uh, why you were kind of offering a lower lower end like that was kind of yeah that was kind of hard for me to do um, having no experience with any kind of buying selling negotiations of any kind um, so that was kind of an interesting experience Okay, Let, let's yeah. break that apart a little bit. Um, yeah. What year did you end up purchasing the practice? This is like New Year's Eve of, uh, or no, yeah, New Year's Eve of 2018. So I took okay. over like January 1st, 2019. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of, the, I, I've never heard of that type of valuation method, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, in, in PT, what I understand it to be, and I'll give you an example. So let's say the revenue was a million, <clears throat> a million dollars in revenue from the method you were talking about 40 to 60% of, of, uh, net revenue. My guess is the value of that practice would be 400 to 600 K. Yeah. Right. So the, um, the traditional method is really based on um, a, a multiple of the EBITDA 
So, you know, if the EBITDA is 200K with the fair market value um, compensation of the previous owners included in there, because you obviously have to replace them either by hiring yourself or um, another replacement. So like the, yeah, if the example was 200K, that might be a two to three multiple, which would put you at the same, the same exact spot of 400 to 600K. Yeah. Could be higher, let's say 250, could be lower, you know, 100,000. Or you said there were some losses there. Yeah. Well, the other thing that you commented on, which was very key is the, the historics. So if the new patients and visits are pretty much flatlining and there's not a diverse um, way to get new patients in the door, attract new patients, then uh, that you know slants toward, um, leans toward a lower um, lower valuation, lower multiple. Yeah. yeah. Where if you if you're uh, very diversified and your new patient uh, flow and your visits are growing and you know you're growing more than the industry average 6.2% year over year, and that's a higher valuation as well. So a uh, question for you, if you were to go back or if, if there's a listener right now and they're an aspiring private practice owner, um, what, what advice would you give them knowing what you know now from your experience in terms of how to make sure that you end up in a spot where you can grow the practice, you can pay, I'm, a, I'm just assuming you didn't pay cash for the practice, uh, no, we did. You, you, oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it just, I believe that most people are going to have to, you know, borrow some money to purchase the practice. Um, what, what advice would you give? So somebody doesn't find themselves, you know, they, they buy the practice and January one, they wake up and there's like, there's no way that I can make a go of this. Oh boy. Uh, I would say definitely, yeah, it's kind of interesting, like running a business, like for the first time, it, I don't know if people have ever said this before, but it definitely, at least for me, exposed every weakness I didn't know I had. <laughs> like, what, what were some of those weaknesses? That you... Oh, just like, uh, just like a competitiveness that like from playing sports and like getting into college, like everything growing up was always like be better than the next person. And like, um, uh, you know, everything's got to be perfect and like, you know, perfect grades and uh, all this stuff. And it just, everything was like short-term wins and, and uh, losses and no really talk of like the long game um, that like Simon Sinek speaks about. And um, so it's just like, I would say, yeah, if I had to go back, I would say make a plan, which includes talking to a lot of people in the industry that know a lot more than you, like you've got to do that first uh figure out and talking to them like what are the most important metrics you need to be aware of um uh, secondly check your perfectionism at the door <laughs> that just is not a good uh long-term trait for running a business it's just not at all um <laughs> and then i would say thirdly like just get started uh, if you're new at it you're gonna make some mistakes along the way and, uh, you know, everybody's heard the phrase that Rome wasn't built in a day, and that's great. But I like to think about it in terms of Rome also didn't fall apart in a day either. So 
So like you can have one slip there, second slip there, and you can still recover. Like you can, you can still build it back up and make it, um, you know, how, how you want it to be. So yeah, so make a plan. Number one, talk to people in the industry that know more than you, uh, learn what metrics you should know about. Second, check your perfectionism at the door. Uh, three, just get started. And four, like Rome didn't fall apart in a day. <laughs> so like keep those things in mind. Um, I think you'll be fine uh, if you do those four things. So <laughs> That's great off the top of your head. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> the um, have, uh, have you talked with anybody else that was buying a practice? Uh, no, not, not really. So I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of kick myself for not having done that. Like, that's just like how naive I was like having no business background. I really, really didn't know anybody that had done that. Like, who can I talk to? And like, if I had known people in the breakthrough group ahead of time, like that would have been great. Yeah. My, um, my guess yeah. is there's going to be some owners or aspirational owners reaching out to you now. <laughs> Which, uh, thank you in advance for your help, Colin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I had, if, like, most people I've met now through the Breakthrough Group, they had some kind of connection or mentor or someone they knew that gave them a little leg up, like something to, to stand on to start with. But, yeah, I really didn't have anything. Like, I knew what things to consider in the buying process of the practice. Like, okay, this is why I should lower the valuation and and not have it be higher, but had no clue on metrics whatsoever. And now like going through all the, the breakthrough stuff, like I'm super thankful to have known that. And yeah, I wish I had known that like right out of school, like that would have been a really cool, almost like a fellowship in like business uh, training, like for a year, like that would have been a great idea. I would have totally taken someone up on that offer. Like if they said, oh, like do you want to, do this one year fellowship and like running a private practice, I would have been like, sure. Yeah. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know, that was the original idea. Oh, okay. We founded a company called uh, the PT apprentice, which oh. was, uh, that was going to be the, the model. Um, and uh, you had talked about before we hopped on here about uh, the podcast with Ben and how he had that, had that unique um, partnership model. I, I had learned something very similar from uh, just reading about what Ben Franklin did with the, his printing business. Oh, yeah. How he would he would bring somebody, apprentice them, and then help them open up their own print shop. Yeah. Um, so that that's where that was the origination of the idea, um, and then luckily met Carl and kind of went a, a very <laughs> unique path to uh, the, the the similar ends, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, business fellowship. Got it. <laughs> noted. Definitely noted there. Um, so can you give us an idea when you took over the practice in January, uh, January 1, 2019, what, what were you, at the time, what was your new patient and visit flow like then either on a weekly or monthly basis? Yeah. So I know weekly visits, they were around, 120 a week and new patients a month that fluctuated anywhere between uh, like 30 to 50. Um, mm -hmm. And that had been for the most part pretty 
oddly enough, pretty much the same since I started with them in 2010 as a PT for those three years. And I, I honestly think even as an aide when I was there in like 06, 07 as an aide, it was about the same. Like they had been like one of the first private practices in the Seattle area back in the late 70s mm-hmm. and just did the traditional thing at the time, which was just tons of doctor lunches and um, just hustled and did that for a good 10, 15 years and were able to live off that reputation pretty much ever since, but things just never really grew beyond that. Yeah. So some um, people don't want to yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So after you took over, what, what goals um, for Kaizen did you have? And then ultimately what did, and I know last year was uh, kind of a wreck, <laughs> but uh, we, we, <laughs> yeah. what, what did that, uh, what did that look like? What, what, what were your original goals a little over uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago? And then what, what happened? What did you put in? Yeah. So my first year was honestly just to introduce myself to all the physician referrals that I didn't know personally yet. So that was kind of the main focus. Um, Since I knew that was kind of their pretty much their only source of of new patients, I figured, well, I better at least start there. Um, uh, So I kind of just focused on that. My goal, honestly, the first year was just if we could just maintain the numbers while I figured out what I was doing, like how to run a business. And uh, so pretty much managed to do that, except for the fact that I didn't realize I had too high of a percentage of monthly revenue going to wages. So, you know, at the end of the month uh, and halfway into the first year, and definitely at the end of the second year, like, oh man, I'm not, I had no idea exactly what I thought I would make as a new owner, uh, but it definitely, wherever I was at was not, not close. And I was kind of sitting there thinking like, like what happened here? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And so, yeah, there were just way, like, I know we were far north of 55% mm-hmm. going to wages. And I was only seeing patients a couple days a week because I needed those other few days to kind of digest like what I was doing, like just trying to figure things out and uh, making sure I was meeting with the front desk and um, other people just to stay on top of things. Um, So uh, I don't know which which kind of training sessions it was with Breakthrough, but just kind of figured out uh, different metrics, like, okay, wages shouldn't be probably higher than 50, 55%. So so I just started taking on more, more patients, treating more, um, and that helped kind of bring those those wages down. And our profit margin uh, was not good. I think at the end of the first year, we were definitely under ten percent. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just with again things I learned through breakthrough, we're now at almost twenty percent. Good for you, man. Great. So we're doing good. I didn't even know, I didn't even know this is how silly it was. Like when I first took over just different metrics, I had no idea about, I didn't even consider a cost per visit. Didn't even ask the previous owners like, Hey, what's, what's your cost per visit? Like they showed me their average revenue per visit, but I didn't even think like, well, what's, 
the cost per visit. And so we just did not have a good profit margin. So it started to make more sense. Um, and in an odd way, the pandemic, I don't want to say like saved the business, but it certainly forced me really quickly to figure out like what wasn't going right. Yeah, let's talk about that. So last probably February or March, um, where you're at there, it's a complete shutdown at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you talk about that? What you were, so you're 14 months into owning the practice. Um, can you talk about that experience, what you ended up doing, how you did survive that? And then I'll probably ask you for your, your biggest takeaways or learning lessons from that experience. Yeah, so yeah, right before things kind of shut down in March, we had a couple of really good shoulder workshops. <laughs> um, I remember the one right before things shut down, we had 20 people in the room, which was pretty close to what our gym space could max out at. And after I gave the close, 16 people signed up for evals and I thought, oh, great. <laughs> this is cool. Like we can keep this going, like probably max out the space at the end of the year, think about another location. Uh, yeah, and then things kind of quickly shut down. It's like every week, some person on TV would say something and like, we'd have a staff meeting every week and I'd say, okay, well, it looks like, you know, we're probably going to lose this number of visits. Like, okay, like, here's how things are going to look, get the team on the same page and someone else would say something again. <laughs> and then the next week it was like, oh no, but instead of losing 10%, we're going to lose like 30% this week. And we had this running joke in the clinic that like whoever guesses the last day that, you know, or the day that we finally have no patients coming in, like, okay, you can get the last $5 in the bank account. <laughs> but uh, um, we got down to 20, I think our lowest point was 27 visits a week for a while. So that, and as a new owner, I had no idea what to think. I actually was pretty positive about it just because everybody on the team was willing to kind of um, just kind of support me and, um, you know, kind of be there for me. So, uh, but I really had no idea what to think. I, it was this weird nebulous time of like not having any clarity. Like, you know, usually if you're going through a tough spot in life, you can kind of see like, okay, here's where the end point is. And, um, but it was just kind of, I really didn't know what to think. I actually thought, well, this is a good life lesson and why you keep your personal assets separate. <laughs> from the business, like in case it like as a worst case scenario, if it did go belly up and uh, you know, it did go bankrupt because we couldn't see patients for a long enough time, I thought, okay, well, you know, if that happens, like, so be it. But um, did you do telehealth? Uh, we did for a while. It ended up being about uh, maybe 20% of kind of what we were seeing at one time, but. So, so those 27 yeah. visits were live. Yeah, and luckily those 27 visits were people that had a week or two before things shut down a recent knee replacement or some kind of surgery where they had to be in here. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what kept us afloat for a while, but a lot of things went well. Um, I did, the PPP loan did help. Mm -hmm. um, our landlord kind of surprised us. He actually reached out to me a couple of days before I was going to call him and just see if we could work something out for a time period. But we did a partial 
rent payment and we've just been keeping track of uh, the unpaid balance and just converting that to months on the back end of the current lease. That's pretty generous. Yeah, so help from the landlord, uh, the first draw PPP and our state has a partial unemployment program because the one problem I was kind of struggling with was there weren't enough patients to like give everybody. So I was like, well, I, I don't want to let the PTs go on full unemployment. And, you know, I still, there's still patients of theirs that need to be seen. And if they don't want to see me, then we're going to lose those visits. Um, so we had them on a partial unemployment program. So whatever hours that they weren't seeing patients, the state picked that up and paid them at their base wages for a time period. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so that all those factors really helped out a lot. And uh, I forget which uh, episode it was. It may have been at a, like a quarterly thing with Breakthrough, but someone was talk, asking a question about whether to back off on marketing spend or like what kind of expenses should you be cutting there during this time? Which one should you just keep going with? And someone had said something about just to keep the marketing going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. we, we went down to a trickle. I know um, on some of our daily calls that we were hosting at the time that came, that topic came up. I can't remember. It's all kind of a blur now, but if, uh, July of last year, we talked about continuing to, market at the virtual summit. Um, but it, I mean, for us and most other owners, it was don't shut it off completely. Just keep a, um, a small flow going, you know, to that we're red. Uh, I am thinking that could have been Chris Redding. Maybe. Um, in an interview, um, I know Larry Benz was in there as well. Yeah. It, um, I, I know it came up on the daily calls and it came up in summit as well. So is, is that what you ended up doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just kept things going. We actually had a few good virtual workshops that went well, like nine people would attend and we'd convert seven. So like nice. those still went pretty well. Yeah. I, I know you uh, came up, you started to discover, I, I believe you were the first owner that I had heard of that was using the polls feature and zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that? How you started iterating and learning uh, with the online workshop? Yeah. So we just, the, the poll questions were, were good. Um, it was just a nice way to be more interactive with the people. So it kind of forced them to be engaged more often. Uh, and we definitely found just through testing that not doing poll questions, uh, just fewer people dropped off from the workshops, more people signed up, became patients after. Um, so yeah, I would just say that, yeah, anybody still doing virtual um, with the workshops and uh, yeah, definitely just integrate those, those poll questions. So yeah. Are you back to live now? No, but we just, I was just discussing it with my marketing person um, and we've been, asking current patients, like if you were to come to a workshop, would you, would you attend in person? And half the people have said yes, half have said, no, I probably would do it virtual. So 
Uh, but it sounds like our state's going to really open up at the end of this month. Uh, nice. So, so I think we're going to do our first in person in August because in July we're going to do a general public GPE and something else. So, um, so we'll do our first in person one again in in August, and that'll be great to get back to doing. So, <laughs> great. Just for the listeners, GPE is a, a it's essentially a promotion of uh, free exams to the public that that goes out um, the so and the other thing that I'd encourage you to do Colin is uh, Dora um, and Kara uh, two owners share this what they started doing and we tested it and worked really well if you're still doing virtual workshops we would do the live workshop so we would capture people who registered and were willing to come in live and typically it's a smaller group you know yeah. maybe six ten people in a group then everybody who was not willing to come in, we would host another workshop after that live one Okay. that we would invite everybody to. So if you're comfortable coming in live, great. But because we already have the ad spend there, we already have the registrant. Now we would just host a separate workshop online. It's a little more time um, and effort, but it, it yeah. kind of meets people where they're at in terms of their comfort level. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. Something to think about with your, your marketing person. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so looks like things are opening up and where the, um, and just out of curiosity, how many square feet do you have? Uh, it's 2027. Okay. So, so we're looking to my goal back in December. So not too long ago. Um, I was thinking, you know, if we're at 155 visits a week, a year from now, so this December coming up, I thought that I'd be really happy <laughs> with that. Um, but we've just hit 156, even like a like a month ago, roughly. Nice. And we're still kind of maintaining that. Obviously, the holiday, um, you know, it takes out a day there. But uh, so we're kind of already there, and I don't see things slowing down really. So I don't see why we can't max out the space here around like 200 um by the end of the year so um, that's great yeah <laughs> it, it, it's always nice when you meet 12 month goals in five months yeah for sure so, <laughs> that's a good game yeah um, and what so uh since you took over the practice january of 2019 what does your um what does your staff look like how have you grown sounds like you hired a marketer um during that time what's your current staff look like and who did you bring on board? Yeah, so right now we've got two other PTs beside my besides myself. So they're pretty much full time doing like four tens. Um, with pretty much a full schedule. And we have a part time PTA that just helps with overflow, like if patients need to come in twice a week, or even three times a week. Uh, and we can't quite see them for all those visits, she helps kind of take over that. And she's just in a couple days a week helping out there doing that we have one full-time aide and my marketing person she kind of she does the works up at the front desk like two days a week and then three days a week we have a backup person that lets her focus on the marketing tasks and just does the front desk um, those three days but that person the part-time front desk person is actually going home for the summer so that's the big reason why 
for hiring the the office manager. It was just kind of time, like as now that we've gotten up to a certain number of visits and it's become difficult to uh, treat full time, but still work on the business. Um, yeah, it's kind of good timing that she had to go home for the summer and we needed to hire a replacement anyway, but we just decided uh, this person needs to become like the office manager and take things off my plate. So my current marketing person who's like double and triple dipping on duties can just focus on the marketing. <laughs> Excellent. That, that'll yeah. support your growth really well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The, um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is the Mark, you talked about the previous owners pretty much in, had it ingrained in terms of uh, the physician marketing, but it doesn't sound like they were doing too much direct to consumer. When you started looking at, um, so for anybody buying a practice, the arbitrage or the, um, the potential always is, and you know, if you paid, I don't, we'll say something hypothetical, uh, $250,000 for the business and you can over time, 10, 20 years or so, if it grows to worth $10 million, that's arbitrage, right? You, you right. have room for growth. So you wanted to do something new in the business. Eventually, once you went out, introduced yourself to the, all the physicians and at least didn't abandon what had made the, the previous owner successful. Right. How did, how did you decide and think through what was your mental state as you were exploring? How do I grow this business with direct-to-consumer marketing? Uh, I know. So the second clinic I was working at, um, some like the initial breakthrough ads just like came into my email. And so I'd watch, you know, a little short video that you had done or something. Um, but at the time, the person I was working for, uh, they weren't really receptive to like joining the, the, the killer marketing or other things like that. It was sort of like, well, I got this. And this is the practice you were at for five years. Yeah. 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 So I, I entertained the idea of like talking to that person about like, Hey, I think this could be a good thing. Like we're not doing some of these things. This could seems like it's worked for him and others. So maybe we should try it out. Um, so yeah, so that really didn't kind of pan out suggesting that idea, but I had, you know, kept getting ads from breakthrough and yourself and uh, kind of thought, okay, let, let's explore this and, and see. So, so that was kind of my idea was just learn everything in the killer marketing. And then um, in some of the promotional videos, like some of the owners that originally started out, they were talking about this at the time, Product X. Um, I was like, what is this? Everybody keeps saying this. And so inquired about it and um, you know, got in with that. And so my thought was just learn as much direct to consumer marketing with the killer marketing and, and now the growth X. Um, and I had already sort of been doing direct to consumer, even just as a staff PT, like I would tell my existing patients about direct access and, um, wouldn't really use that term. I would just say, like, oh, you know, like the next time something comes up, like just come in and see me the next day. Like you don't have to go and get a referral from your physician. And I remember uh, at a monthly staff meeting at the first location, they were just going over stats about percentage, like where did patients come from? And, you know, for the longest time, it was like 1% was like direct access or people 
coming in. And then a year later, after I just started telling my patients, like, hey, you can just come in, uh, you know, whenever you need to and um, won't be a problem. I think we went to like at least like 50% of the practice became people just referring themselves. <laughs> it was a lot of return patients, but, uh, but I thought like, oh, this exists. Like, and it didn't really take off. Like the rest of the PTs didn't see it. Like, I don't know. Um, thought, oh, this is so easy. Let's just tell people they can come in and, uh, and get seen. And so I, even in school, like PT school, I thought oh, this is a really great idea. Like you don't have to just go to physicians. Like, like, wow, you can actually market to the general public. Like this is a really cool idea. So I've always promoted that like wherever I worked to my existing patients. Uh, and that's mostly what kept my schedule full as a staff PT. Smart. Yeah. I, I noticed that with owners we're working with or even analyzing our clinicians, those that, uh, have the best relationships with their past patients, past patient list, they always remain busy. Yeah. So, yeah. So everything, yeah. Direct to consumer. Yeah. So what are we doing? Um, well, it's like learn from you guys, like the number one asset is your past patients. And so I guess that's the other thing I did in the first and definitely during the second year was just like, just starting with mastering, like marketing to our past patient list. Um, I don't know how this is for other PTs, but I know for myself before I was an owner, I don't know why there was just this feeling of like, once you discharge a patient, I know it's kind of weird to like market to them again, or, um, it's like, okay, once you're done with them, it's almost like, I don't know. You just wanted to only see like newer people. And, uh, that always seemed like weird to like see a return patient come back for whatever, I don't know, it's like whatever you, reason. Clinically, but, you failed them if they yeah, come back to you for the same thing. I guess. And, you know, I used to, I, it, it doesn't happen at the clinic here anymore because I've kind of worked with the, the PTs, but just at discharge, you know, when patients are done and just PT saying like, oh yeah, hopefully we never have to see you again, blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't happen anymore. It's more of like, hey, the next time something's bothering you, like, you know where to come, just give us a call. Um, but yeah, so we used to kind of do that. And so now we've <laughs> completely gotten out of that and advertising to the past patient list and current patients, like that's the thing we do really well. And um, just like super focused on, on doing that. But yeah, we're doing the newsletter, which I think is our best, probably one of our best marketing tools. It Great. goes out to patients, like they call in and people are saying, yeah, I've saved all the recipes and they'll ask particular items on the cover story. Like, how's your son doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, did you, like, what family trips did you plan for the summer? I know you mentioned that in <laughs> the most recent one and people come back because they, whatever's in the FSI in the, the insert that we're promoting. Um, uh, that yeah that does really well so um what else are we doing uh yeah workshops to the general public uh promote the workshop quarterly to past patients there's the facebook posts all sorts of things so yeah you share so um we'll have to talk through this verbally for people that aren't watching if they're listening on the podcast but uh i'm going to share your uh patient life cycle Oh, sure. Flywheel. Because yeah. you have some good things in here. 
Yeah, it's just sort of like in my head, like what I constructed, and then this is what I um, have taught my marketing person to follow up on. So at the top, it's just kind of uh, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, if you just make one one patient experience go really well, like if you just focus on that and then repeat that with every other new patient that comes in, I thought like, well, what would that look like? So just at the top, that's like the initial evaluation or kind of first encounter. So there's a lot of stuff up there and I made my own little legend at the top. Um, but there's just like a new patient paperwork series that goes out. There's a series of different things that go in there. Patients, most patients usually with our clientele will fill stuff out ahead of time and send it to us, but they get that through email. Um, there is the, the back to normal book that they get as well at the evaluation, if not for themselves. Uh, we just ask like, hey, do you know anybody, friend or family or a coworker that's got back pain? It, yeah, okay, here, you know, take copy. Uh, PTs all know about the seven step killer exam there. So that seven SKE. Uh, so they, they all do that really well. Um, my marketing person has an internal marketing interview, just asks basic questions, how the visit went, uh, what things went well, what things maybe we fell short on or uh, expectations that weren't lived up to. Um, our aides score the outcome measures so that the PTs don't have to um, waste time doing that. Uh, that contact gets added to our ever-growing list of patients so more people hear what we're doing and yeah that list just kind of keeps growing and then usually around the third visit as long as it's appropriate people we test out the the uh, light force laser with people um, we're always constantly thinking about what's that one um, unique item we're going to write in the discharge green ink letter to patients so every staff meeting we kind of go around and ask like everybody's current patients like what's your green ink letter item for for people, um, what else happens? Uh, sixth visit, our marketing person has another check-in and uh, they'll ask about a cause opportunity. Um, Going to do catch up yeah. on some quick definitions here. Cause is a sure. popular workshop. So that would be like a gym Yeah, for the listeners here. Like a, a, a gym would invite Colin in to present to their gym members on a topic. Yeah, so, uh, and we try to get a Google review. Sometimes we've gotten them at the initial eval, um, but if not done, then maybe at any point during the plan of care, it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to wait until discharge, um, but we try to get that in there somewhere. The new patient paperwork series does ask for a Google review somewhere in there around the sixth visit, so that happens as well. Uh, and then at discharge, there's just a lot of things that happen. Uh, patients go on our wall of fame and then that photo and testimonial, uh, besides going on the wall, it goes out in a little binder out in our waiting room. We fax those to the referring doctor so they know about it. Uh, the referring doctor also gets a kind of a little, we do them electronically now, um, but they get their own little green ink letter. Uh, we write a discharge letter to the patients. Uh, if they haven't already gotten a book, we give them one again for family or friends or coworkers. And then my marketing person has one, one final 
just kind of discharge interview um, to see how things went. Um, and then even a month later, like we'll still write another letter to the patients just to check in, make sure things are going well. And we've actually recaptured a lot of past patients that just had something else that came up, like a different body part, different ache or pain. Um, so yeah, the green ink letters are even just a month out after discharge have brought some people back in where they otherwise would have maybe gone four or five, six more months, just like having shoulder pain when we had previously seen them for knee pain. And yeah, it's amazing how many patients will get discharged and something new comes up a month later and they'll go six more months without even thinking like, oh yeah, I was into Kaizen for my knee, like maybe they can treat my shoulder. And um, so yeah, the follow-ups with the, the letters go really well to kind of reactivate people. Um, and then in the middle there, like these are just ongoing things. So NLP, that's just the newsletter pro, they do our newsletters for us. Uh, we market something, uh, we promote something with the insert every month. Um, the physicians also get a newsletter too. Uh, we're posting things to our Facebook page. Uh, G GPE, the free exam day for past patients. We actually have one coming up in a couple weeks, um, which should go really well. Uh, yeah, that happens a couple times a year, you know, right before the, the slow times. Um, yeah, I've got the Goodwill email campaigns that go out, uh, virtual workshops, but getting back to in-person. Uh, we talked to a lot of businesses during the pandemic about cause opportunities. Uh, I think a lot of people were a little too stressed out about <laughs> committing to some ideas. So now we're kind of, I'm talking to some of them again, and they're more receptive now that things are opening up more uh, to do those. So I think the cause opportunities we're, we're talking to businesses with will certainly help max out our space uh, throughout this year. Uh, and then our, yeah, the Back Normal book, um, you know, we have given that out to some businesses. A lot of patients just take a bunch of copies because they want to give those to people they know. Um, so we kind of get patients uh, from that avenue. Uh, we actually just had a recent, we have really good word of mouth referrals from our current patients right now. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the soft skills of our therapists and uh, support staff as well. But um, on the Nextdoor app recently, we had just some random person asking the community here, like, you know, I have a shoulder issue, like where's the best PT to go to? And I think five of our patients just happened to see the post. And <laughs> so they just chimed in and said, yeah, yeah, I should go to see Kaizen. And so we actually got a patient out of that and her daughter needed help. So we got two out of that, like just from our five of our patients chiming in telling this person like, hey, you need to go here. Um, so I think that's, yeah, the one proud thing, the thing I'm most proud of with the staff is just the good soft skills. That's um, great. Yeah. <laughs> one of the trends early on uh, when we started uh, Breakthrough and talking with other practice owners is uh, m most owners would say, we would ask what their marketing strategy is and they would say, you know, provide high quality of care and get word of mouth referrals. I would say what you're, what you're doing, you're really putting effort into getting that and it's paying off well. So this is great. Well done. Congratulations on putting the flywheel together and uh, getting those systems in. Yeah, that's been, 
a big thing during the pandemic was, um, I don't know if you created it or someone at Breakthrough, but there was a something like eight systems, 55 processes with your business and uh, value stream. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. That was a really helpful tool. Cause I just sat down with the, the team and said like, we're going <laughs> to, we're just going to create this and like it, it, you know, unique for our practice. And, but in a lot of detail. Um, and so that's kind of what we spent a lot of time this past year working on when it was slow. And so, um, definitely, yeah, paying off for sure. Wonderful. Well, Colin, um, just want to go through some of my notes here because I have quite a few. Um, you gave really smart advice, um, shared a, a bit of your story of how you came into, in a non-traditional way, into private practice ownership. Um, you talked about the experience uh, and your competitiveness, exposing your personal weakness. You gave a four-step plan, which for anybody that's an aspiring owner and they're buying into a practice, that was excellent. Uh, you talked about the fellowship uh, business owner, which I'll have to uh, wrestle yeah, around. I, I, I so wish like something was there when I yeah came out of school. Like that would have been really great. <laughs> yeah, uh, working on it. Um, yeah, you talked about uh, your, your plans when you initially took over in terms of introducing yourself to the physicians uh, that drove the business. And I think that was a really smart first step. Uh, seems like it worked out well for you. Um, you know, maintaining and figuring it out. You talked about, uh, you know, adjusting the wages over time too, and how that drove the profit margin up where you got your, your costs in check for uh, your reimbursement level. You also talked about your pandemic experience and ultimately hitting your goal in April or May of this year uh, yeah. that you were aiming for by the end of 2021. So uh, this has been wonderful. Um, thank you very much for doing this. Is there any parting wisdom or advice you have for other owners that might be listening to this? Right now? Uh, I would just say, yeah, don't ever ignore your past patient list. Like, you know, obviously to, to grow the business, you've got to you know, get new patients, go direct to the consumer. Um, if you have good physician referrals still going, keep those relationships there. But um, yeah, just focus on the <laughs> past patient list really well. Like they're always gonna know, like, and trust you, as you've said. So um, and that's kind of proof like just with the Nextdoor app story, you know, patients, we didn't have to tell them, we didn't even know what happened. There were just patients that came in and uh, that we were treating currently that said, oh, I gave you a little shout out on the Nextdoor app. And I was like, okay, well, what happened with that? And <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they'll, they'll definitely promote you if you focus on them and just show them that you really care. Like we are, uh, when we bring a patient back, like we never start by asking them like, well, how's your knee doing? It's, there's always something else where we bring that up in staff meetings. Like what's your, um, other than the green ink letter item, what, what's your personal item? You're going to ask the next series of patients when they come in. It's more like, oh, how's your mom doing? Like, I know she had this and this going on. Like, how, how's she doing? And so we always lead in with those things. And yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, I don't know if you wanted to give a shout out here, but in the newsletter you sent over, I just have the, uh, the front page. Yeah. Um, and it's honoring the moms in my life. Anything that you want to share from, it looks like it was a, 
you're honoring the, the mothers in your life for Mother's Day in your newsletter. Yeah, definitely. My mom uh, certainly, yeah, was a big part of just me getting to this point. And I don't know if, uh, I know Teresa, my wife, she's been really good kind of um, handling things at home during the pandemic and has definitely been the glue that's kind of kept the, the family together. I was kind of joking that, you know, at some point I want to be able to back off on uh, patient care so I don't have to come home and my kids point at me and say hey stranger danger you know like <laughs> you know because um, that's sort of my humorous way of, of saying I'm not home as much as I should be but, uh, but yeah she's been great through all of it you know anytime I kind of like a manager for a sports team you know he'd come home and complain to his wife about things that happened during the day so she's listened to everything and um, has been awesome about it and been super positive and um, just allowed me to spend time on the business and she knows why I'm doing it. And the kids know why I'm uh, putting so much time into this to get it to a certain point. So, um, so yeah, definitely a shout out for Teresa, <laughs> my wife. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, great. And, uh, and you have two children? Uh, three. So actually Dylan, uh, my stepson, I met him when he was seven. He's 18. Okay. Uh, it's a junior in high school, so just finishing that up. Um, and then I've got Julian, he's eight, and then Allison, two and a half. So big spread. Oh, yeah. There, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 17 and three, so almost we're pretty close. Yeah. Almost the same spread. Yeah, I, I get it. We're graduating high school and getting out of diapers in the, in the same day. It's all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, congratulations to you and uh, your, your team again on your growth as we're emerging here, Colin, and really appreciate you sharing and what you're doing as a private practice owner. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you for all you're doing. And I've learned a ton from stuff you've put out there. And um, yeah, so just super thankful for everything you're, you've done and what you're going to continue to do for owners like myself because yeah I probably would have just kept reinventing the wheel and doing tons of position only mark I don't know I probably would have done other things and fumbled things up along the way but um, yeah all the stuff you put out there has allowed a newer owner like myself to start off on a much better footing and have a lot less uh, painful experience so thank you You're very welcome Colin yeah yeah Awesome. <laughs> Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.